You're listening to Good Shepherd Brentwood's Sermon Feed. Today's sermon was preached by Mother Natalie Van Kirk and recorded on All Saints Sunday, November 6, 2022. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, the title of my sermon this morning is First Fruits of All Sorts. Several years ago, I found myself teaching a course on worship leadership at Loyola University in Chicago. And as part of one class discussion about the inevitable need to preach and teach on the spiritual discipline of giving, we talked about how none of the parishes that my students were in had sufficient money for staff that could make for a creative and expansive ministry. They were mostly just hanging on. And we talked about how hard it was for many Catholics to understand that there is not a pot of money at the diocese or in Rome that kept their parishes afloat and so eliminated the need for them to give and give generously. And at that point, one of my students raised her hand and she said, so is that why Protestants invented the tithe? And suddenly I found myself trying to explain that Protestants did not, in fact, invent the tithe and that if anyone had done so, it was God himself and he established it as part of the law for his people. And without specific scriptural references to hand, I was trying to show them that tithing and giving of our first fruits carried through into the New Testament and was to be understood as a demonstrable mark of the people of God. Now, in the end, I'm not sure I convinced my students that the idea of tithing or giving 10% was in any way, in fact, biblical. She had certainly never heard one of her priests talk about it. Now, at the beginning, the tithe was fairly straightforward. It was a tenth of all the agricultural produce and the flocks that people had. In a culture with little money in circulation, grain, wine, oil, fruit, and the flocks were the source of life. A tenth of that tithe was dedicated to God, and it was used only as an offering. Some of the tithe went to support the priests because in ancient Israel they were not allowed to own land and therefore had no way to feed themselves. And some of it went to be stored for those who were in need. Now the law also prescribed other offerings beyond that tenth. There were thank offerings and sin offerings and various sacrifices. And the most important of all of these was the offering of first fruits. The first fruits included agricultural produce, the first sheaf of barley that was harvested in the spring, or the wheat that came in at the time of Pentecost, the first grapes, the first olive oil, the first dates. All of these, the first tithe of them were offered to God. But they also offered the firstborn of the herds 
and the cattle and the firstborn of children. All of the firstborn were to be the best of the best, and they were to be dedicated to the purposes of God. Now, there are lots of instructions about tithing and first fruits in Numbers and Exodus and Leviticus, and they make it clear whatever the people of God offered to God was to be the very best of anything that they had. They were to be choice. The other thing those, those instructions make clear is that they were given in recognition that the Lord God is sovereign in all things and possesses all things. There, therefore, the first issue, as the Bible puts it, of man or beast or soil was considered holy to the Lord. It was a recognition that whatever the people of God possessed in this world had all been given them by God. So one gave one's best, the first of all that truly mattered, out of gratitude for the generosity of God. Now, by the time the earliest Christians and the teachers of the church, as well as the rabbis of the, the Jews, began to talk about tithing, the tithe included money as well as agricultural produce. In Christian communities, like the Jewish communities from which they sprang, all of the tithes, or all of those communities were known in the ancient world for their very strange and admirable habit of caring for the destitute, the sick, the widow, and the orphan, feeding, clothing, clothing and sheltering those who could not do such things for themselves was not part of the ethic of the ancient Greek and Roman world. And so Jewish and Christian communities stood out for the fact that they cared for others and felt that they had an obligation to do so. Those practices have continued in the Christian church. In many parts of the world, especially in the poorest places, a tithe is still paid in produce and chickens and dairy products and other animals. It even was that way in this country until probably right after World War II. If you've known some old preachers, you know preachers who can tell you stories about how they were given a tithe in eggs and chickens and the extra zucchini from parishioners' gardens. The, excuse me. Here in Brentwood, we give our tithes and our offerings in financial contributions, at least I hope so, because I don't know what I would do with all your zucchini. But the point is the same. We are giving of that which sustains our lives out of gratitude to the one who first gave it to us. If you've been an Episcopalian for a long time, you will remember the days when the priest took the alms basin from the hands of the acolyte and raised it into the air once it was full and said, all things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own we have given thee. That is the theological truth behind all giving in the Christian church. Now, while a lot of these practices seem dim and distant because we don't use the language that much, they are still very much a part of the observances of the church. The harvest festivals and celebrations like Thanksgiving, which is a Christian holiday at its root, 
celebrate the abundance of the, of the produce that God has given us. It's the reason for the pumpkins and the grain and the fruit and all the things that are on the altar. It's a way of saying God has provided and we are offering back to God from God's provision. We may have lost the language, but our need to give thanks and to offer back is still there. Now there's an old hymn that I grew up singing on the Sunday before Thanksgiving that perfectly expresses this offering of thanksgiving and first fruits. And maybe some of you will remember it. It goes like this. Come, ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in ere the winter storms begin. God, our maker, doth provide for our wants to be supplied. Come to God's own temple, come, and raise the song of harvest home. That's about our offering of a tithe and of first fruits. But there is, however, an even more important way that Christians make first fruits and offerings to God. And it's a way that we're going to celebrate this morning in the sacrament of holy baptism. In baptism, all of us, whether we are firstborn children or not, are, as the book of Revelation says, ransomed as the first fruits of the human race for God and for the Lamb. From the very beginning, the church has understood that we who follow Christ, regardless of our birth order, are first fruits, offered to God and to the Lamb and dedicated to God's purposes. Now, you've heard me say more than once that on the day of your baptism, you were made holy. This is what holy means. You have become part of the first fruits of humanity. And by the grace and generosity of Christ and the Holy Spirit in your baptism, you have become the choicest and most precious first fruits in the eyes of God. As James puts it in his letter, if God or God had willed us by, excuse me, God willed to give us birth by the word of truth that we may be the first fruits from among his creatures. As the people of Israel gave the choicest and best gifts for first fruits out of gratitude and recognition that they were called to be the chosen people of God, so we give ourselves as a sign of our membership among the people of God in the church. The challenge for us following our baptism is always to remember that we were made first fruits and to live as though we are among the chosen. Now this morning, we're going to baptize two little ones. We're going to baptize Matilda Monday and Emma Schaefer. And it is so fitting that in the midst of our conversation about giving and tithing and commemorating all saints and all souls, they should bring children to receive this sacrament that makes them part of the household of the first fruits. Now, I doubt that very many of us thought about this when we had our own children baptized or when we were sel ourselves were baptized. But when they bring the babies forward, I'm going to ask what name is given this child. 
And as the parents hand over Matilda or Emma, we will be giving them or making an offering of our first fruits. The parents are giving that which is most precious to them over to the purposes of God. And that's what baptism is all about. They will promise to raise these children to know Christ, to know their faith, and to be members of the household of God. And this morning, this morning, Emma and Matilda will be made choice and chosen. And then they, like all of the rest of us, are going to embark upon the journey of a lifetime to find a way to offer back to God the best of ourselves and the best of all that we have every day of our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in hearing our sermons in real time, you can check us out at our website, www.goodshepherdbrentwood.org, or attend online during our 1015 Sunday live stream on YouTube. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Good Shepherd Brentwood. If you have any questions or comments, or maybe you'd like to meet with one of our clergy, you can email us at office at goodshepherdbrentwood.org. Or if you're interested in visiting in person or have questions about our programs and services, you can text 615-637-3738 where you'll be contacted by our staff. We'd love to meet you.